and live. I'm not wearing a shirt today. Good. Yeah. I'm wearing a regular shirt. I'm, le- I'm a regular folk today. You're simple folk. Simple folk. But you're, Joe is still in celebrity mode, as you can you're, see. You're deplorable. You're one of the deplorables. Yeah. Like a pleb. Yeah. Working class. Lesser than. Not the elite. Exactly. Um, you want to start with Russell Brand? Go. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's get this up on screen. For me, it's the it's the image. I mean, the allegations are one thing, but the uh, the graphics are, as usual, over the top from the media. Um, this happened yesterday. Sunday Times, Sunday Times exclusive leaked Saturday night um, headline: Russell Brand accused of rape, sexual assault, and abuse. Yeah, it was everywhere. Check out the uh, image. Scroll down a bit there. Yep. So, whoever did that, Her Majesty's Secret Service congratulates you on your brilliant graphic work. Yeah, well, it's either it's either like deliberate. Intent to portray him in the worst possible light, uh, or it's just it's just yellow journalism, you know. I mean, or maybe both, you know. Uh, sensationalist journalism, you know, because obviously that 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 image attracts attracts attention, right? Red and white and the scary eyes and stuff. You pick that one, you put it up there. So, um, to put but to portray him in the worst possible light in advance of any actual. Um, any any actual substan- substantiated uh, allegations against him, except by some supposedly Channel Four and uh, and Sunday Times Channel Four. Channel yeah. Four is one of the UK's top broadcasters, TV, and Sunday Times slash the Times. Right. Um, Definitely legacy media for Britain. Yeah, well, that's the thing. But I mean, it's got to the point where it's basically when the media, if the media just puts up a headline and puts up an article, then that's the truth, according to most people. I mean, especially the Times, whatever, or put up a or do, do, a, do a story. If you just uh, throw that one up, for example, um, this is just from perusing, I got from perusing the actual story. If you just click on the left one there, uh, there's a police statement on the allegations that the police just heard about from the media. You know, it's like criminal allegations and the police finds out about them from the media and when they're already, uh, you know, announced. So they basically said, we're aware of media reporting of a series of uh, allegations of sexual assault. But at this time, we've not received any reports in relation to this. If anyone believes they have been the victim of sexual assault, no matter how long ago it happened, we encourage them to contact police. Yeah. Any reports is so, in official, you know, go to the police, make a report. Well, somebody, if yeah. there's, a, there's a victim come to the police but apparently it's all done and dusted already in the media right it's all almost case closed and then the second one was uh, Channel 4 who produced this documentary supposedly or this investigation yeah, and then, and last then night. they said in a statement uh, they're appalled all across blah, 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 because you know to some extent they they are, would be in a, in a certain sense responsible because it happened on their watch when he was employed by them Um but they said that we have they carried out an extensive document searches and found no evidence to suggest the the alleged incidents were brought to the attention of Channel Four. So, like, we're squeaky clean. 
we're 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 excusing ourselves in advance here. Yeah. So the, the shit we're throwing at Russell Brand, we, that that can't reflect back on us because yeah. we we've looked and there was no evidence to suggest that anybody had said anything at the time that he was doing anything. So, so let me get this straight. Russell Brand is across all the media. Uh, you know, more or less telling the people that he's a sexual predator and rapist. And A, no one has reported a crime. And B, there is no evidence. At least there's no evidence at the time of the alleged crimes uh, that, that any crime had taken place. So, what is there? It's a hit job. We've seen this before. This is the same thing as they did to Assange, Corbyn in a slightly different way. Right. And Trump, actually. Um, <clears throat> maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. So the article says, this is a joint investigation by the Sunday Times, the Times, and Channel 4. It clarifies that the media spent years, doesn't say how many years, but years, on this report. I mean, like, there's a lot of resources behind this, obviously, um, in terms of staff and personnel and time and pay and so on. Um, and we'll get back to that later. They clarify in the report that they found the victims. The victims didn't come whistleblowing to them or anything. Yeah, they, okay? they hunted them down. Not the other way around. So um, it says in there that all said, or four or five, it's not clear whether it's four or five, said that they felt ready to speak only after being approached by reporters. I mean, hmm. that right there is... Who, who's grooming? He's accused of grooming There's so many young women... 20 years, yeah. 15 years ago, but that sounds like grooming right there, where you're seeking, uh, did he say, and how did he really make you it's feel? It's digging up dirt, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, can I just yeah. one more extensive quote from the report to give you an idea of the scope and how they went about trawling for this stuff? So if you put that back up, Scotty, let's do a word search for, those two paragraphs together that kind of are the nexus of these claims. Uh, word search for over the past few years. Okay, at least two paragraphs. Over the past few years, God knows how many years, but whatever. Reporters have been in, have interviewed hundreds of sources who knew or worked with Brand, ex-girlfriends and their fr- friends and families, comedians and other celebrities, people who worked with him on radio and TV, because for anyone who doesn't know, outside the US, Brand was a, definitely a celebrity before he became famous on doing podcasts um, and senior staff at the BBC Channel 4 and other media organizations. Along with these interviews, reporters have seen private emails and text messages, submitted freedom of information requests, viewed medical and therapist notes, scrutinized brands, books and interviews and watched and listened to hundreds of hours of his shows on the BBC Channel 4 and YouTube. To corroborate allegations, why didn't they do that for like Anthony Fauci uh, over COVID? You know, why didn't the reporters do that for, on him? Because he's untouchable. Because they believe him. Because they believe him, and they're afraid. Remember, there were some. Do you remember there was an executive? I think a Sky. I think he'd retired by the time he felt safe enough to say it. I think it was Sky News. Hmm. And he said, we did want to do lots of stuff, countering COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't. But we couldn't. Um, but the, the, in this case, the messaging is very much the other way around. They feel safe in the knowledge that they have 
protection from on high to go after brand in this way mm-hmm. and that their backs are covered legally. Uh, maybe this is actually part of why this took a while before they could reveal the expose because they have to get their legal things tied up, you know, well, they the had legal to, ducks lined up in a row before... interview hundreds of people for a start before to, they could to find, find anything. To find four. Yeah. Now... And that's weird, like, I mean, it's almost like there's no evidence of any crime so you go looking for one. Pretty much. The worst allegation, worst thing, you know, worst, is the story of Alice. It's not a real name. But, by the way, all they're all anonymous. You don't see them. They're not the real names, but whatever. Okay. Still, this is the worst. Okay, this is definitely what sounds like the worst. Worse than that she was 16 at the time, and he was 31 in like 2006 or something. 16 is the age of consent in the UK. There's really, like, the whole culture war and everything that's going on at the moment uh, around the clear messaging in all of the respects coming from on high and through the media, through these organizations, is they're pretty much toying with getting people to just see pedophilia, mm-hmm. the, the crime of crimes, right, when it comes mm-hmm. to sex crimes, as, well, another variation. Mm. You know, there are minor affected persons, <clears throat> mm-hmm. whatever the euphemism is now. Well, in the middle of this report in the Times, they've got Alice's testimony about how he, you know, basically would have groomed her. Part of, part of, her defense as to why this wasn't an issue at the time is that, well, I was young and impressionable. Of course, she definitely agreed. She's 16. But it is the age of consent in the UK, okay? Um, they have a little paragraph on her. Alice has decided to speak out because she now believes that she was too young to be able to consent to a relationship with an adult man. Interesting. So whose fault is Is that Russell Brand's fault or is that the legal system's fault or is that society's fault? I mean, is that the fault of predators who are trying to make you reduce the age of consent? Because all of the pressures are going in the other direction. Anyway, okay. Well, what is the actual allegation against Brand in, in respect to her, in regards to her? That in a particular con- hitherto consensual exchange at a hotel room mm. or his house, I'm not sure which, he, quote, um, came on too strong and uh, forced me to give him a blowjob. Okay. I didn't want to, and I was physically... The, how old was Brand so there's a definite claim that it was against my volition. I said no, and he, he pushed for it. And how old was Brand at the time? 31. Hmm. I know. Yeah. Well, I know, he, I know. And, I, and who's going to defend that? This is why they have a nice little... All their trawling has worked to find something that is indefensible hmm. prima, prima facie on the surface of it definitely but I suppose where we'll go with this with is but hang on a second okay it's going to be his word her word as to whether that was consensual okay let's put that aside for mm-hmm. a second um, but then there's the, the cultural context legally that's kosher mm-hmm. 1631 yep. okay now, it's interesting what she says about this in hindsight now as a woman in her 20s, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she now believes that she was too young to be able to consent to a relationship with an adult man. Objectively correct. But officially these days and culturally, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, my mom, she says, still feels that she, like she failed me in some way because her parents were warning her 
you don't want to do this because they knew again brand was a known he's a celeb and all that um and, and had a reputation as a as a womanizer mm-hmm. my mom still feels like she failed me in some way in allowing this to happen but she had no recourse at all because she the daughter was like i'm going for this you know of course but she's allowed to so says society right mm-hmm. she says now she's like active she, she, she basically taking a conservative position now. She says it shouldn't be legal for a 16-year-old to have a relationship with a man in their 30s. There should be something in place to protect children. Yeah. Too late. Further yeah. down, FYI, it says Alice, Alice, who later worked at Channel 4. So she knows the people who approached her for the stories. Mm-hmm. They all know each other, for God's sake, at the BBC, Channel 4, in mm-hmm. and out celeb world entertainment mm-hmm. in the UK. It's notorious how well they all know each other and who's shagging who. This is Britain, for God's sake. Moral standards when it comes to sex. Right. It's, it, this is a story as old as the 1960s Profumo affair when mm-hmm. there was, it was a kind of a mini Russiagate slash sex scandal wrapped into one mm-hmm. and the titillating part that caused the government to fall or specifically a government minister to be fired was that he had inappropriate sexual relationships outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Morally, bad. But everyone knows behind the scenes that everyone's shacking everyone else kind of thing, and it's right. murky as hell, right? So I love that. It was just an aside towards the end of that Sunday Times article. Alice, who later worked at Channel 4, I see. So you know her really well. Far, they know her far better, or at least some of the people involved in producing this expose know her far better than Russell Brand ever knew her. For him, mm-hmm. God knows what he was like. He, he's, he's, he's described very well what he was like. He was a drug addict before. He got over that, and then he became a sex addict. And then he had to right. get over that. And that's part of why he's he such had, a, a, a manic kind of high-energy guru-like person. Right. Him, because he's had a couple of epiphanies right. to get free of that. And there are groupies hanging around people like him were a long time, you know, especially young girls and stuff like that. So it's really nothing, nothing to see here. Happens all the time, but like we're saying, it's a hit piece because the media, and you have to assume maybe their handlers in the government have decided have um, have decided that uh, Brandt needs to be taken down. Brandt needs to be uh, needs to be subjected to the classic smear job to try and discredit him. You know, because he's saying he's saying things that uh, I mean, I don't know if everybody who listened to this knows what Brandt talks about, but it's basically pretty much similar stuff that we talk about, although he's a bit more kind of love and light and. <clears throat> you know, uh, f- free uh, freedom and uh, free love in a certain sense. He's a bit more kind of like well, new age guru yeah, w- about it, but he still basically hits all the main points of the of the lies and corruption around Ukraine, COVID, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he's he's smart how he does it. Questioning the narratives, questioning, 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 but it invariably will reveal. Um, Political slash philosophical beliefs, mm. which don't, don't feel don't fool the censors. In a sense, he kind of did fool them with COVID, because he managed to stay on YouTube throughout mm-hmm. by being very careful to say, "Well, <clears throat> I'm not saying, but this is the latest." It was a bit like what we were doing, but he was maybe better at it. it yeah, he was better at. It. Come on, he's got six million, seven, almost seven million subscribers now on YouTube. YouTube isn't even the main venue where he does the real meat of his discussions with people. Um, well, I think he still has more views on, more followers on, on YouTube than Rumble. Like. Okay. Yeah, Everybody does. M- more noticeably, yeah. Unless yeah. they're banned completely. Um, 
So there's a couple of levels going on here. Um, this next, this is a tweet from one of the women who is. It, it's it's all women. It's the, the the writers of the articles were female. Um, as it happens, the editor who okayed it for the Sunday Times is also a woman. I thought she did a great service to everyone here. Not that, <laughs> not that believers in the <laughs> official official dictates of how things are will even notice the hypocrisy in this statement, but this gets to the heart of the matter. Rosamund Irwin, who is media editor for the Sunday Times, tweeted today, uh, yesterday following the publication of their articles, if you believe in the power of investigative journalism, please buy a paper, as in a physical newspaper, tomorrow Sunday. Or better, if you could afford to, please consider subscribing. There are huge costs of stories like this. Which gets to the whole heart of the matter here. With his millions of viewers and subscribers, Russell Brand dwarfs the subscribers of Legacy Media, Mm -hmm. The Times, The Guardian, Channel 4, BBC, etc. Absolutely dwarfs them. Um, And they know it. And they're... it's been, it's just, Russell Brown talks about it all the time. It's the ongoing descent into irrelevancy of legacy media. And look at, the, she's like pleading for funds from you, the public, to hear more of what was a costly effort to dig up and trawl the worst they could find about Russell Brand of 20 years of publicly available information about the guy because he was a bloody celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, yeah. Give us more money to make more insinuations about people we need to put down so that the yeah. subs and the public funds come to us instead. I mean, I mean, are people like her that clueless that they don't realize that what, what they're actually doing? They don't have any, any, any awareness of, of the fact that this is opportunistic and, you know, highly kind of highly targeted at, at brand and for, for likely you know, ulterior motives, you know, I mean, do those people not even know? They not, doesn't even, doesn't ever cross their mind that this is a bit dodgy what we're doing here. First level, first level, or the, 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 the main material, a substantive answer to that would be what we've just pointed out, that her livelihood depends Mm. on her believing that. Right. So it's not, the inducement right. for her to believe that is so strong. It's monetary. It's it's just like the COVID experts. Money. It, it's well, it's money, prestige, um, career. She she's also a mother. Apparently, she's pregnant at the time. She has another child on the way. She you can understand she has a vested interest in in making this work. You know, mm-hmm. um, her position. Um, th- okay. Here's an article from a year ago. This isn't the first time they've taken a swing at Russell, but this is definitely going to be the... the this one might make or break him, depending on what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, you may remember this, uh, well, yeah. March 2022, how Russell Brand... This is the Telegraph now, who's They're, generally taken a more libertarian tack on these issues of free speech. Headline, how Russell Brand became, quote, the mad hatter of conspiracy theories. And check out the, the graphics for this one. <laughs> he he would say, "Well, yeah, I am." That's listen to him. He is a mad hatter, but uh, <laughs> that's part of his charm, right? Um, now, the gist of this article in 
as a hit piece. The, 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 the crime, in quotes, a year ago, there's no sex crimes or anything. The gist of it was that Russell Brand is comparable to Joe Rogan. Now, do a word search for, it's actually the last two paragraphs, um, the pair share. That was all I was essentially saying, that he's like Joe Rogan. It didn't even say bad shit about Joe Rogan. The pair share, the pair share Brandon and Rogan, a great deal. Both are, quote, funny and fearless, says listener John Miltmore, who appreciates their ability to talk intelligently about complex ideas and provocative ideas. These are men who aren't afraid to poke at those sacred cows and to question authority. They share mutual affection, too. You've emerged authentically, Rogan told his British counterpart during a marathon three-and-a-half-hour episode of his podcast in 2019. This is who you really are. You found yourself. I, I'm, I'm not... The reason I'm highlighting those two paragraphs is because the, the, the gist of what they were saying. Right. And... That, there's nothing else. There's that, that's no, the only, there's if there's any else. meat, that's the meat of, that, of their the argument meat. that he's a mad hatter conspiracy theorist. And that would have been and, on the back of Joe Rogan horse pace. So he was he was painted, and then this followed in. Okay, we painted Joe Rogan, and Britons are introduced to him if they haven't already heard of him. And by the way, segue Joe Rogan. Uh, there's a British Joe Rogan. You should also be wary of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a year ago. But so for these people, that's enough. I, that's all I can say. Oh, the, the, the materialist explanation I gave before, that is privilege and stuff well, that and they need to maintain. But I think, I think they read that and their internal values system is such that it adapts correctly to what's supposed to be understood. Yeah, in answer to my own question, what, what crosses those people's minds in the media? I mean, they're authoritarians. They're authoritarian They don't think like Russell Brand And they don't like other people. Like they, the people in the media, journalists, whoever in the media, see themselves as the authority on information, on informing the public and telling the public what's actually happening, what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. And, you know, they're proud of that. They want to hold on to that. They're, they're quite uh, covetous of that, of, of that position, right? And, and that's what they've been brought up in through journalism, school and all that kind of stuff to be programmed in a certain sense to, to, to believe that that's, that's the role of the establishment media. And it's closely tied to the government. So uh, when they see someone else coming along, other people coming along and trying to usurp their positions, they, they're a bit kind of, it's like you're, you're getting on my turf here. You know what I mean? Get off my turf. Like you're the opposition, basically. So they're going to, they'll just be a, a personal, ideological and personal interest in them. And they'd spin it in their minds that, because they don't like to think of themselves as, as hack journalists who just dig up shit on people and then spread it around to smear them unfairly, right? So they have to have some kind of, do some kind of mind job on themselves. But it's that mind job that they do on themselves is motivated by the fact that they think what they're doing is right. Because ultimately, this is the establishment. You know, having Russell Brand or Joe Rogan take the place of the establishment media is like overthrowing the government. And that is mentioned there that he's revolutionary and potentially dangerous. It's equivalent. They said that. You overthrow the government, you overthrow the media. It's the same thing. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's an acknowledgement people, that both are the same. Yeah. These so people, when these media reports happen from private companies, we're not fooled by that. Right. We know what happened during COVID when literally the government basically um, mandated the entire advertising media spaces yeah. in all media in Britain. Mm-hmm. 
that was that was unique, but it gave us a glimpse of what can happen. You can marshal quickly and easily took control yeah, of it, basically. All of it. Yeah. That's why the flavor of this, when it comes simultaneously mm. from multiple organizations, it's like this came from the top. Well, this, who, this, yeah, who's Brand and Joe Rogan people? Who do they speak out against? Who do they undermine? Well, they undermine the government, effectively, the government narratives, the official, you know, truth tellers. Um, they undermine what they say, and therefore the government that doesn't like them. But the media then is the the messenger in a certain sense. Here's a message from the government. Yeah. There's a, like, Russell, I'd like you to check. There's a message from the government in all the major newspapers today <laughs> that we published, in all our newspapers, like that we just put it up there just to convey yeah. the message to you from the government. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of British Twitterati expressing their disgust at brand. Basically, buying. That's much buying because they there is um, you, you asked for evidence they have evidences like some of the stuff they trawled is actual medical reports from when one of the women in California went to a rape crisis center that evening because mm. she wasn't sure was that that started out consensual but in the drama of what happened I'm not sure mm-hmm. she got a medical report and stuff like that. so there are some evidences the, the, but to see them then see the proofs in quotes and go that's disgusting. I, I, oof, I really, I can't, I can't countenance that. These are the same people who will tweet tomorrow on the next day that they're all in favor of the full-blown smashing of all sexual taboos when it comes to LGBTQ, PCIA+. All of them. Of course your children should be subject to bombarding with... Um, Part of the drag uh, and uh, demonstrations of sex toys in their classes when they're four years old. Of course they should. Hmm. There's no disgust there. Right. You're not allowed to have disgust there. But it's, ex- it's almost exclusively channeled these days to an expression of a male, aggressive male, toxic male. Hmm. And, and, you know, men grow up, boys grow up, become men. Russell Brown today is married, stable, with got kids. Too. This shit's from 20 years ago mm-hmm. in a milieu where it was encouraged mm-hmm. or at the very least overlooked. Maybe, and the, the, the Sunday Times reporting does have some circumstantial backdated evidence that complaints were sent up and his bosses were like, carry on. It's just Russell being one of the boys, yeah, yeah. like all the other boys in here. Mm-hmm. Or Jimmy Savile, what did he do in well, 40 years at the BBC? That was, that was covered up. Um, because of what he was up to. He was a paedophile, though. So you're allowed to cover up paedophilia it, and never let it out. It's, it's, a, it's the real tell. The authoritarians get disgusted when they're shown in isolation. Something that is whew, questionable, right? Mm-hmm. Morally. Or repugnant. Oh, let's, be honest, let's say what it is. It's repugnant on the face of it. But they have an unbelievable, like, their brain can be compartmentalized externally. To just ignore all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The extent of paedophilia in high places. Um, check this out. Um, for example, you can find it. You can find thousands. Britain especially is a notorious environment when it comes to the sex crimes that are covered up. Um, don't know why that is. Um, One time Prime Minister of Britain, Theresa May, did say, well, you know what, we kind of just have a culture of paedophilia, so best just get on with it. Uh, 2019, MI5 did not tell police of ministers, quote, pension for small boys inquiry years. 
and that's just one minister. My God, there were so many. There were so many um, during that time, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, and that's obviously about stuff in the 1980s, but it goes all back to the 60s and so on. And it's obviously more recent as well. But. So it's, it's, it's so insidious because it's, it's, this is like, this is targeting, even putting aside the distinction between those who would see through it in quotes and those who would just go with their first taste bud disgust at the proofs and quotes that they're being presented with. Mm-hmm. The insidiousness of it is that they're being, their mind is focused into a uh, compartmentalized, narrowed down mm-hmm. <clears throat> into the questions, the moral questions of relatively titillating factors of a younger man's life, mm-hmm. you know, to trash something else entirely, which mm-hmm. is the phenomenon that Russell Brand as Britain's Joe Rogan has become. Well, to trash what they say in particular. Yeah. You know, they want, I mean, they want to trash that brand. No pun intended. They want to tra- <coughs> trash Russell Brand, the person, not because of who he is or necessarily, but because of what he says. And I suppose that's, you know, intricately tied to what he, to who he is but um, they want to stop him saying what he's saying basically so um, yeah yeah, you got to conclude that that's the bottom line so it's pretty flagrant but there you go uh, although it does take a bit of teasing out because there's always the, there's always that angle you know where, well there is something for him to answer for blah 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 uh-huh. but yeah everybody technically has something to answer for the reason is why are you forcing them at this point in time to answer for mm. that? Why are you presenting them in this way? Why are you digging up dirt from 20 years ago right now? What's the context in which this is happening? Yeah. And if people don't understand the context, it's well, so forget like, about it. If you don't understand the context, you don't understand it. it. it it's it, it literally essentially the same as the Inquisition, to be put to the question <clears throat> many, many years after something. some mm. Someone reported that you once did or said. So I put, I put the question to you. Mm-hmm. It's, and these educated Twitterati have you now or ever have you really, really believe that you ever been? They, they, they believe that this is in fact the fine tuning just the cleaning up of the last vestiges of an archaic way of behavior toxic masculinity in this example and if we you know that's how they'll frame it in their minds you know when asked, they'll all say, yeah, I did evil shit in my past too, but it's best that we have a Me Too movement and a kind of a grand reckoning, and then we move on into the glorious future. There's just a few details we need to hash out. and Like, the gall of them to, to do this to Russell Brand, who has been so open about his life. Mm-hmm. His life was an open book, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, and God knows what stuff they're hiding. <clears throat> so, anyway. I, but can can anything come of this? I mean, they w- this would have to translate from a, a trial by media to actual charges, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> In theory, although maybe the damage is already done. But what could the damage be that this would turn off any pers- pers- prospective people or yeah. people who might perspective, but might you know, yeah, might get turned on to Russell Brand to turn them off in advance, right? So. To stop the rot in a certain sense, if he, you know, if he's been growing, growing in terms of his audience and more people attract to him, well, to stop, uh, to try and turn off some of the people who have already, you know, started mm-hmm. following him or started listening to him. 
Britain and to prevent more people from, uh, from, from doing the same. I heard it mentioned in passing, is there a, other gen- is there a general election in Britain next year? Um, I wonder if... I don't think so. It's not scheduled, I don't think. Okay, maybe there's rumours. It would only be called, you know. It's not scheduled, basically. Yeah, the next UK general election is scheduled to be held no later than January 2025. Mm-hmm. So it could be next year. But is it done with that kind of foresight? I don't know. Well, it's a term that you get for, for the, the party in power. You know what I mean? You get five years. Uh-huh. So it goes five years. And then there's a forced general election or if they want to call one beforehand. Um, well, good luck to him. Um, the, we'll see how it goes. It, it could, ju- if he's lucky, it's just a hit at the level of information. Mm-hmm. Um, will reduce his numbers, following, and so on. And it's going to reduce sponsors or any other deals he had. A few people have pulled out. He apparently ha- helps co-host a summer festival or something. So that's right. gone already. Stuff like that. So it will, it will hit him financially. Um, but it can go a lot worse than that. We've seen, like, in other countries, a comedian in France <laughs> was destroyed by through lawfare. It just had case after case thrown at him, whether they had merit or not, until he was so saddled with debt from trying to defend himself with lawyers. that um, He's reduced to... I'm talking about Joe Donahue. Mm-hmm. He's, reduced, he's reduced to doing clandestine comedy stand-up shows mm-hmm. in like farmyard barns, mm-hmm. uh, which can get busted if someone ratted to the police. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that's how far you have to fall down when you're a stand-up slash uh, nationally renowned social critic about government and uh, yeah. the powerful. So we'll see. Um. What else this week? Um, but we didn't talk last week about... We talked about Morocco earthquake, but we didn't mention the flooding in Derna. I think it was in, happen- in it happened the day before, and we didn't realize how massive it was. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, pretty bad. Um, although it was caused by two... What pisses, pissed me off about it was... It, it's called, well, it was caused by two, two dams that, uh, that broke. Yeah. And a few million gallons or liters, whatever water, ru- rushed down you know, all of a sudden, kind of valley through it, through it beach at this seaside town of Derna, and just washed a lot of stuff out to sea and killed killed thousands of people. Like, but um, the BBC reporting on it um, kind of pissed me off because um, obviously they go, "Well, how did this happen?" There's, it's an example of there being some level of kind of uh, you know. Some level of investigation rather than just sensationalist news. Oh, like flood, people dead in this part of the country. Climate change, global warming. Uh, they at least, you know, a few different outlets, you know, said stuff like this, like Libya turmoil made Derna flooding even more deadly. So they referenced that <clears throat> you know, it wasn't just global warming. It was the fact that uh, Libya's history, recent history, you know, in terms of uh, how it's been governed and stuff, um, caught, made the flooding are damaged from flooding much worse, you know. And they call it Libya turmoil, but what they're actually referring to is the NATO bombing of Libya and destruction of Libya in 2011 and the murder, NATO's, NATO's henchmen's murder of uh, Muammar Gaddafi, who, while he was a dictator and stuff, had, you know, the country was very well managed and very well 
financed, etc., etc. And NATO in 2011 literally just destroyed all of that and Uh killed him and left the country to rot since then. And that's what should be in that headline, not Libya turmoil. It should be everything I just said. It should be in that headline. And that's what caused uh, this massive death toll from unnecessary uh, large number of of, of people dead from uh, flooding. Because, again, it's not because there was, okay, there was a storm pushed through the area, it dropped a lot of rain, but it basically overwhelmed dams that had not been, two dams that had not been uh, properly maintained. Because of Libya turmoil, which is NATO's destruction of Libya 10 years ago. Yep. So it's man-made climate change where asterisks, the men involved are Barack Obama, David Cameron, Hillary Clinton, and Nicolas Sarkozy. It's Obama, Cameron, Sarkozy. Clinton caused climate change disaster in Libya. Except it's not even climate change disaster. It's just... (laughs) I know, but you know know what they're saying is, they're saying is these things are accentuated or worsened, like this flooding event or the rainfall that preceded the flooding event, by man, it's you, your fault, the commoners. It's all our fault. We're all in this together. We're all one. No, no, it's your fault. (laughs) Mm. If we're going to apportion blame and describe agency here... It's your fault, not our fault. Yeah. Um, I just checked. This is just crazy. The death toll, as of today, Sunday, 17th, is 11,300 mm-hmm. in Derna. Mm-hmm. Severely, uh, Jesus Christ, here, uh, um, this is crazy. There's bodies washing up all over the place along the coast. And from the very same coast, or so not far away, um, daily, hundreds of boats are leaving for Italy. Um, you probably saw that story earlier this week. In one day, over 120 boats arrived in like an armada in, in Lampedusa, having left Italy. It's, it's almost a parallel. It's not quite the same story. They're not Libyans fleeing. There are people coming from all over Africa. Anyway, that's CNN today. 11,300. Ah, oh, found dead in Derna. Scroll down. Let's see what the opening paragraphs say. That's a mad death hole. Um, Further 170 killed outside of Derna due to the flooding. Uh, uh, Another 10,000 are missing. Mm -hmm. That's bonkers. Here's a comparative piece of data. So this is Storm Daniels. Remember uh, I mentioned it last week, there was a phenomenal jet stream event which created an omega shape. Second so all the way through cent- central, mostly central Europe and Western Europe, there was actually a big hot, high, you know, high pressure. But the gesture forced these, these two um, extreme storms at each end of the meds, the, the flooding in Spain and the flooding in Greece, Bulgaria and the Southern Balkans. For comparison, the death toll in the Southern Balkans, which was hit by the same kinds of ra- rainfall as Northern Libya was, was as of last week the worst storm to hit Greece in 75 years. And Greece, I mean, Jesus, how much infrastructure investment have they had since the austerity crisis of 2008? You know, they're not exactly rich themselves, but still, they have some, right? The death toll is a whopping seven. Mm-hmm according to VOA News as of last week. Seven. 
seven dead versus 11,300. Seven, 11,300. It's the same storm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, but again, the, the, the death toll in Derna, that large number of death toll was a result of dams. It was the dams, it wasn't the, was the river. Uh, but there's, um, if you just throw up that, that link I sent you, Scotty, um, this is just click on the left. This is basically a desert in Libya, so not far from, um, you can see uh, Darna on the right there, on the right hand picture. And I said before and after, basically this cyclone um, came in. Now the dams were, you know, closer to Darna, so they're not the the the, the, the water. Uh, this is rainfall, basically. So a lot of rain did was dumped on on the Libyan desert there. And uh-huh. um, if you just go right to the next one. You can see actually a video. This this is you know this is North African desert, and this is it now. You know. Is something objectively unusual going on? The similar thing was said in Greece. Actually, the, that they're looking at possibly new lakes in central Greece that mm-hmm. may there, may remain there from here on out. You know, mm-hmm. caused by the rainfall. Um, on Morocco, the, the the death toll, as far as I know, is 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 higher now. It's about it's three thousand. Um, that, that's that's pretty crazy for. Mm-hmm. What was only a magnitude six point something earthquake, um, but it hit in a region that's not used to it. The buildings aren't made for it. Marik- parts of old Marrakesh were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's hard to wade through the hysteria about climate change. I know, but and this is a mainstream article. But still, I think this will underscore our position on this, that we can't just all shut our eyes off to this and say, no, no, it's all just a psyop to fool us. Shit is happening. So Mm -hmm. this is a headline, actually from NBC, but it's copied by Yahoo. Eight catastrophic floods in 11 days. What's behind intense rainfall around the world? Of course, they're going to give the kind of AGW man-made, it's your fault. But they're noting the fact that there have been a lot of floods, major floods. Um, the first 11 days of September, eight devastating flood events have unfolded in four continents. True, one was in China. Again, though, that's what happens. It's kind of their monsoon season. Massive um, typhoons hit um, Hong Kong and Shenzhen region. Um, They're more fortunate because they're developed now, so they don't have the same kind of high death tolls they would have had maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just go down and see if what else they remind me of. Southern Brazil flooding. I don't recall what that one was. Um, that's a scene from Derna. The photo. Carry on. Go down there. <coughs> yeah. Sometimes we just have a clustering of these events. Yes. Sometimes we do. Yeah. And your AGW just does not explain it. Mm-hmm. Climate change is most likely having it. Yes, it is, definitely. Global warming is intensifying the planet's water cycle. Maybe. Maybe. Is it warming? Is it human activity? No. 
cannot be. We cannot affect the jet stream. The jet stream is way above our heads. That's like sun-level influence, people. Cosmic, way beyond us. Man is just... Sometimes we feel like we, you know, we really have conquered all. We've conquered nature. We can do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's so tempting to believe that because you know, we're all kind of pretty narcissistic, right? Mm-hmm. Down here and everything's safe and we know everything there is to know. But we forget that we're... Imagine for a minute we're not just single people and we're all connected as one kind of species. We're like this tiny biofilm <coughs> on the crust of the uh, on the crust of some of the Earth. Most of us are actually packed into megacities. We're not even dominating the whole surface of the land of the Earth, never mind the water. A tiny little biofilm, and there's, there's a huge atmosphere above us. And the jet streams in the upper parts of the atmosphere. I, we didn't do that. It's way beyond us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you just can step out of your narcissistic bubble for a second. You're anthropogenic, anthropomorphic, I should say, and anthropogenic viewpoint. Um, yeah. Trump, Trumpy <coughs> Trump, Trump. Uh, what's going on with Trump? Trump. Trumpy Dump. Um... He had a bit of a car crash interview, no, with Megyn Kelly. Uh, all those interviews are car crash interviews, but they always seem to. What is a woman? Ah, gee, gee uh, some people would say, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. tell us what you really think. We want the old Trump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a woman is your mama. Exactly. <laughs> it's your mama. Um, let me just see here. Um, I was, yeah, there was a thing about, where did, where did that go? Um, mm, maybe it's further down. Yeah, it is. Basically, Trump has asked for the judge. Oh, yeah. <coughs> overseeing his case to recuse herself. Um, because well, his lawyers have basically because they said that he's um, he's biased, right? Um, or she's biased. She, sorry, yeah. she, she's biased. Um, I'm just trying to find it here. What she actually said. Ah, there it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, she sounds like she's biased, <laughs> but then I mean, um, should we should we be Surprised that she might be biased, that someone uh, overseeing Trump's uh, court case might be not very favorable towards Trump. I don't know. Um, but basically, so she's the judge in his quote-unquote insurrection case. In Georgia? In, uh, no. No. The insurrection. That's Washington. January 6th. Federal. The, ju- inter- the insurrection. You know what the insurrection is. You don't need to. Surely you know what insurrection is, right? You've heard about it a lot. Yeah, Possibly. January 6th, right. obviously. Not Georgia. Insurrection means January oh, 6th. Yeah, yeah. Georgia, Georgia's election... Interference. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, in her comments, in her previous comments on, on the insurrection, uh, she said this was nothing less than an attempt to violently overthrow the government, the legally, lawfully, peacefully elected government, by individuals who are mad that their guy lost. And she said uh, about... Uh, about... Trump, 
that it's blind loyalty, in referring to his supporters, I suppose, it's blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day. Um, so Trump's lawyers have requested she removed from the case, but and as I mentioned there, the funniest actually part comes from the BBC journalist himself who you know, wrote this article uh, about this topic. He said that the judge was randomly assigned to oversee this federal case against him. Like, I mean, how... How? Why did he have to say randomly assigned? How far does your head have to be up your ass? Like, to, how, how divorced from reality do you have to actually be? I haven't looked at uh, the way Trump has been treated, all the actual facts about the way Trump has been treated over the past six, seven, eight years by the media, by the, the Washington establishment. You know, impeached twice, two, two attempted impeachments, impeached, you know, but not removed from office, and then um, court case after court case after court case, insurrection, election interference, you know, sexual abuse, all that kind of stuff, all dumped on top of him. Um, how stupid or ignorant or gullible or naive do you have to be to think that a judge in one of, at the end of one of, of this, that long list of kind of like things that have been thrown to him to try and discredit him, that a judge in a case who said those things about Trump, <laughs> how credulous do you have to be to, th- to think that, not only think that she was randomly assigned, um, but but actually to write that in, in the article that you're saying, just to make the point, she was, she was randomly assigned. You know, it's almost like you're protesting too much. So why do you need to say that she was randomly assigned? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're saying that just in case anybody might think that she wasn't randomly assigned, because it's pretty clear that any reasonable person would assume that she wasn't randomly assigned, given that... So they're basically gatekeepers. People like that are gatekeepers of their own kind of like blinkered view of reality and attempting to usher or corral other people into that blinkered view of reality where you're not allowed to recognize what's actually happening. You're not actually allowed to recognize uh, the facts in front of your eyes or, the, or, or what you see. And you're not allowed to make connections between those and draw obvious conclusions from them. If you, if you do that these days, if you just look at what's happening and draw the most rational Occam's razor obvious conclusion to it, you're very likely, you have a very high chance of being accused of being a conspiracy theorist if you voice that conclusion. That's how bad it's got. We just look at what's going on in the world. You just take the basic facts and you say, well, there's this plus this. And that usually in the history of human experience means, you know, A plus B usually means C. Are you, have you been reading conspiracy theories? You've been listening to Joe Rogan and Russell Brand. You've been, cons- you? you've been conspiracy theorizing, haven't you? It's like, no, I'm just looking at what, what's going on. It's well, called thinking morons. Exactly, yeah. So, um, and, but apparently, so that was a, a few days ago, he asked to recuse himself, but then they pushed back and basically said, um, said that, um, no, nothing wrong with that judge. She's totally impartial. Um, <laughs> totally impartial. Prosecutors say veteran DC judge Tanya Chutkan, that's her statements in the sentence in sentencing two capital attack defence. So she made those statements as she was sentencing two insurrection defence. She was sentenced to jail terms, <laughs> so she's not biased though. Uh, they don't show that. She, do you, can you put it up there? Scott? Don't do not. I'm reading from it. Here. Ah, there it is. Paywall. Anyway, it's only the top part. Prosecutors say veteran DC judge Ta- Tanya Chutkan's statements in sentencing two capital attack defence do not show she has prejudged Trump. See. The prosecutors say that, and she'll go, as the judge, yes, I agree with that statement. Yes. Carry on. Exactly. So she's, because she's being asked to recuse herself. So prosecutors, in, in this case, uh, like basically the special counsel Jack Smith, who is Washington establishment guy who's going after Trump for insurrection, and who probably via the Justice Department had this 
Judge Tanya S. Chutkin appointed because he knows she's he knows she's biased against Trump. So he has said to her, "Listen, we think here's our expert opinion is that we think that the claims that you are biased and should recuse yourself in this case are not valid, and you should stay there." And she'll say, "Hmm, yes, I agree. Thanks very much." Next, um, yeah. So, and and next was Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's like this is an example of you look at some facts and you draw you know okay you, you don't have access to all the facts you're not going to get access, access to all the facts but just on on the facts that are available to you and the story that you're being told basically you say that sounds a bit dodgy she sounds like she's, she would be biased I mean based on what she said right mm-hmm. I mean her statements seem fairly prejudicial against Trump and uh, therefore I think she was it's possible that she may have been Randomly chosen, <laughs> I mean, randomly selected in a kind of specific kind of way to stack the odds against Trump. No, she yes, yeah, because she's biased, because she's anti-Trump, because she's one of us. And if I say that, then it's like you damn conspiracy theorist, shut your mouth. Have you been listening to Russell Brand? Have you been listening to Joe Rogan? Um, she, I'm like, no, yeah, no. And imagine she's so. I imagine she sees herself as a professional, right? Mm. And that she's Long trying term, yeah. to make this as objective and judicial sounding as you possibly can. But if one of her comments that you highlighted was that Trump's claiming or Trump supporters claim that, well, in fact, what motivated them to do what they did was, was because they were Blinded. angry that their guy didn't get the power. Mm. That's, that is the quintessential political position to take. She sent their guy, our guy, hmm. my yeah. team, your team. Yeah, well, she's, it's bi- it's she's biased, right? giving an implicit political position. Right. Their guy. Of course, she could be being impartial and saying, no, it's like, you know, um, I'm just looking at it from the outside or whatever, you know. Um, but it's pretty, um, pretty suspicious. But if you're suspicious about things, it usually means that you're a conspiracy theorist. Um and that you read and kind of maybe do your own research and stuff like that, which is pretty serious. Don't do that. Yeah, she said it's blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day. By the way. Does, is there anything, can you infer anything from that statement? By the way, he remains free to this day. She's, at first level, she's saying we haven't put him away yet. So we're Democrats and everything's fair. But there's an implicit threat. He may not always be free. It's very, very ambiguous when you say it's blind loyalty. First of all, you're saying these people are just fanatics, that she's sent to jail, the guys involved in the interaction, and it's just blind loyalty to Trump, who, by the way, remains free to this day. Why would you say that he remains free to this day? Of course, everybody knows he's free to this day. Are you saying he shouldn't be? Mm. Is there something, is there an implication uh, that he shouldn't be freed? She's giving away her, her wish uh, as to where this will go. Mm. Okay. Yep, as Trump says, it's all rigged. And I mean, so she, she, she's, she's, she's going to oversee a case on whether or not Trump was involved in insurrection, uh, uh, which hinges on the idea that there was an actual insurrection. Because it's much easier to tie him to, uh, and, and you know, condemn him, or, or convict him of a serious crime 
like insurrection or treason, whatever goes along with that, as long as you establish that there's insurrection, if you don't have the idea, if you don't have, if there's no evidence or it's implausible or just hyperbole to claim that there was some kind of actual insurrection, this was an actual attempted coup in, if you don't have that, then there's not much, you wouldn't really, what's Trump going to be accused of? You know, making a noise outside, encouraging people to be rabbly outside the Capitol Hill. That's not a crime, right? You need the insurrection thing. Yeah. And she's the, she's the one, so she, not so much that she's the judge who'll be overseeing or trying the case, trying Trump on whether or not he is guilty of insurrection, of aiding and abetting or contributing to insurrection. And she is obviously clearly convinced that there was an insurrection because she said this was nothing less than an attempt to violently overthrow the government. Right. So she's obviously not by not not uh, impartial no, in any she's way. She's assuming not open. his it's guilt just, at the beginning. Well, yeah, by by saying that, you know what I mean. It's basically by saying that that she's she's convinced that she's made a statement that this was nothing less than an attempt to violently overthrow the government. She is already biased, because that's the only thing that really will de- determine whether or not Trump gets any significant uh, charge out of this. Uh, sentencing or sentencing, yeah. Um, so, like, tying him to it is going to be pretty easy, I'd say, for them. But it's taking it as a given that there's an it there already, i.e. an interaction, is, is the bias, is the prejudice. And she's clearly guilty of that prejudice. But, but this is, that's justice in America. Um, what about, uh, what did you see, talking right? about American politics, did you see JFK, or sorry, Junior, JFK Junior, RFK Junior, RFK, WFK, whatever. Bobby. Yes, um, Bobby Junior. Curious, wasn't it? He was. Well, that was that's another thing. But this is um, just have a listen to him here. It's very interesting. The state of American politics and what passes for American democracy. Hey, everybody, it's Robert F. Kennedy Jr. here. Well, today the DNC did convene its Rules and Bylaws Committee. But sadly, not much has changed. Our primary is still not free and fair. The DNC is continuing to coerce New Hampshire to bend to the wishes of President Biden's re-election campaign. And if New Hampshire doesn't comply, then the votes of the people of New Hampshire won't count. And, of course, there was no mention in the meeting of separating the Biden campaign financially and organizationally from the DNC. The DNC, by its own charter, is supposed to be impartial, but they're not even bothering to pretend. Meanwhile, our campaign is unstoppable. We continue to build momentum. We're getting giant crowds. We have over 200,000 volunteers. The contributions are coming in, and I want to thank all of you for your support in signing that petition to the DNC, we generated over 30,000 signatures in the last 24 hours. And I got to personally speak to so many of you and hear your concerns for our democracy and for our country. This is only the beginning. We're going to take back our country. We have a people-powered movement. And, uh, and I want to thank all of you for your continued support. And God bless you all. And God bless our country. So the point about the point they're saying there is that, like obviously, there's no distinction between the DNC and the Biden campaign. Like the Democratic National Committee 
is there to, you know, represent the Democratic Party. It is, it is the overseer of the Democratic Party in America. And, and obviously there's any number of candidates, Democratic politicians or people who want to be, to put their names forward for positions of, in, within, you know, the Democrats in, in, in American politics. Uh, but as he's saying there, there's basically no room between. There's not. You can't put a piece of paper between the DNC and the Joe Biden re-election campaign. Joe Biden's just one Democrat. He's just one dude, one old dude who happens to be a Democrat and is running for president. And in the interest of the Democratic Party, you should be focusing on the person who's the you know the best for the country, best for democratic values, uh, for what the Democratic Party stands for, and also, most likely to and win and in all, a fair and election, also, and also most likely to win in a, in a fair election. Uh, of course, but apparently Joe Biden ticks all those boxes, yep. according to the DNC. And as you mentioned there, it's like ridiculous state of American politics or uh, uh, democracy is that New Hampshire, somehow the DNC is t- telling uh, the New Hampshire division, whatever the Democratic Party, that if they don't agree to vote for Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee, then their votes won't count. They will just trash your votes. We're not, we're not interested in you voting for anybody other than Joe Biden. It's like, well, Bobby Kennedy, he's, a, he's put his name in the hat for, as a Democratic candidate. Can we vote for him? No. If you vote for him, we're going to trash those votes. Yep. As above, so below. Just translate that nationwide. Throw them out. <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing in 2016. Hillary Clinton. How does she get in ahead of Bernie Sanders, who drew in the same kinds of crowds Trump did? Mm-hmm. Stadiums full of crowds. Yeah. He's turned out to be a wishy-washy yes man for war and everything else that this current regime wants. But still, same thing. Yeah. Um, it's a joke. And it was such a it was such a bad mistake, and they doubled down on it. it the lesson they would have ch- ought to have taken from 2016 result was that holy shit, she was such a bad choice. Mm. We lost to Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wasn't what they went with. They they brought in Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Who was notorious in the 1980s because he was kicked off as a nominee in 1988 because he lied about his academic background. Shit, that's nothing these days. The man lies every single day. His lie this week was that he claimed that he had once taught at a university in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or something. Mm. Back in the day when I was teaching such and such a course at the university. Along with Corn Pop. he, He just said it like... He lies when he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the dimension. Ah, yeah. oh, I don't know, is it? He's been doing <laughs> well, it since 88. And other. in 88, it was noticeable. Do you and the system corrected itself and said, this guy is not, no, he's it's not just, running. Well, if you've got a pathological liar under normal circumstances, it's just going to lie all the time, obviously. And then you give them dementia uh, or some or growing, increasing dementia. Well, then... It becomes <laughs> forgivable. Or no, really. well, it, gets, it becomes a lot worse. Like you got, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, you know what I mean? Um, it's going to be a mix of lies and forgetting stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, genuine mistakes. But uh, Bobby Kennedy, uh, um, RK Jr., uh, if you just saw one up, he... Um, that was New Hampshire, but then he went to California. He was in California and close to where his uncle, his father actually was shot in L.A. Um, uh, he was speak at, a, at a, a, like a talk, basically, and... Um, Someone, some dude popped up, uh, if you just go down. According to a statement issued by his campaign, a man who claimed, who claimed to be part of Kennedy's security team told them that he needed to be taken to the candidate immediately. 
uh, his security then spotted, spotting a gun, they removed him from the area and notified the police. The LAPD, LAPD confirmed that a man with a loaded gun and a shoulder holster and a badge stating he was a U.S. Marshal uh-huh. identified as Adrian Paul Aspero, 44, was arrested and taken into custody. Um, and He should also be charged with um, impersonating a federal officer. That's yeah. crazy. He said the, ca- the campaign also claims that there was a second man who was arrested by the LAPD along with the prime suspect who had a backpack that contained at least one other handgun, multiple knives and extra ammunition. And so in, uh, just last, just a few months ago there, Kennedy, and this brings up th- this issue that he brought up uh, a few days, um, brought up a, few, a couple of months ago and he brought it up again. He claimed that his fa- since his father's assassination in 1968, all candidates for president have been provided with secret security protection. But after 88 days of no response and several follow-ups, he he received a letter from the Biden administration saying that the protection for him is not warranted. So basically, he's still not getting Social social Security, or not Social Security, Social Secret Service. He's probably not getting Social Security either, but Secret Service uh, protection. Um, I think this was a message. Well, yeah. That's too coincidental. To intimidate. We'll see now. There'll probably be no. Uh, let's take a bet on this, right? I'm speculating here. There'll be no follow up. The guy we'll never hear about again. Hmm. He was put there, and it's right next to the same convention. Was a hotel convention center in L.A. where his father was shot. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of icky, icky stuff mm-hmm. the current regime does. It's just a ma- to it's send ma- messages. It's, ma- it's mafia stuff. Yeah, and the reason they don't want Kennedy, and the reason they want Biden or, or Hillary Clinton, and then they double down for Biden. Is because both Clinton and Biden are members of the establishment, who are happy to be prime minister or president, uh, and just to fill it as a, as a ceremonial position for the kudos, for the grandeur, for the money making opportunities he provides. But they simply hand over the keys. Once they, those people like that get into the White House, they, they it's understood that they're handing over the keys to the White House effectively and the functions oh, yeah. of the White House to the intel agencies. The so they, Biden can go to the beach every right. three hours yeah, and, and, and have a nap, and, and whoever. But some establishment politician would just do nothing. They would just go and go for naps, go play, play, play tennis or whatever. And the intelligence who actually run America, they don't want any interruption yeah. in their in their Plans. job of of running of running America. And they would have an interruption. And the empire. Yeah, and the empire. And if they they would have an interruption, and they would have a headache if someone like Trump were to get in again. Because he's like, oh, I'm president. I'm going to do the presidential stuff, right? I'm going to use – what kind of powers does president have? Okay. See all these powers? I'm going to exercise those. See the one where it says uh, – see the one where it says it's just customary for me to listen to CIA briefings every morning? I'm not going to do that customary thing anymore. So the CIA can go freaking fish, right? It can go do whatever else it does, you know? Et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to start – I'm going to look, relook at our foreign policy. I'm going to like, you know – you know, make some new decisions, you know, upend things a little bit. You know, well, uh, I'm going to make friends with, with that fat kid. Uh, Bobby oh, Jr. has been more... Over in North Korea, huh? <laughs> yeah. Bobby Jr. has been more explicit than Trump ever was. Yeah. I don't fault Trump for this because clearly he was kind of... When we finally kind of grok what he was up to all those years ago, he's he dissimulated... They, they said he was a liar, compulsive liar and he, he never really says what he's thinking that's because there was strategic enclosure he actually had plans we know that in hindsight because he brought in michael flynn on day one and they had to conduct a quick op to get him off and we know that flynn had plans and flynn knows as he recently told um that the patrick bet david podcast he knows where the bodies are buried mm-hmm. uh, metaphorically but um 
uh, Bobby Jr. is much more explicit. He's kind of, I suppose, old school, more clean cut. He's going to have it all up front. This is, of course, <laughs> the reason why he can't be elected. Trump, at least, was cagey enough mm-hmm. to pass muster as to become the GOP candidate in 2016. Bobby Kennedy's like, I'm going to remove the CIA's ability to conduct its own ops. It's, it's no longer, it's going to be revert to what it was supposed to be in 1947, which is an intelligence gathering arm of the, of the government. It's not going to have its own operational side. Well, I don't He's not the first to say that, but he, it's a long time since anyone said that clearly as an election manifesto. Here it is, point number three or whatever. Boom. Yeah. Well, I don't understand um, people who say that. Like, and I would assume Bobby Kennedy, RFK Jr., given who, what happened to his father and his uncle, he knows what these people are capable of. So to turn around and say that the same thing that arguably got his father assassinated, or his uncle assassinated, i.e. I'm going to you know, break apart the CIA yeah. and bring it to heel. I mean, does he just think that they, they a, don't... Are you saying they, it's a death wish? I know. Well, but, he, does he well, just think they don't do that anymore? Or that it's a different circumstances now and it's not possible for them to do that? Does he have some maybe understanding? Maybe it's the latter. You may, one of the criticisms that skeptics, so, so genuinely left critical skeptics of the US government have about Kennedy, besides his Israel shtick, which, yes, I know, that doesn't look good either on paper. But besides that, it's the number of times that guy, um, Tracy, Michael Tracy, could pull up dozens of photos from relatively recent years mm-hmm. of Bobby Jr. hobnobbing with people as distinguished as right. Hillary Clinton in D.C. The thing is, he is so connected. He is patrician. Right. I think he's banking on some kind of guarantee that there's so much light on him at this point, 40, 50, 60 years later, that everybody knows that you can't do that anymore. I know it's a hell of a bet really, to make, but... I mean, but like, what about heart attack machines or something? Like that? No, microwave know, beating heart to, attack machines. Like, you can come down with like a serious illness all of a sudden. the plane a has a fault. Uh, yeah. yeah, your plane crashes. I know. I know, but he's going to die trying. Well, fair play to him. It's brave. He's super yeah. brave. Um, um, yeah, there's talking about intel agencies. Did I send you that already, Scott? No, uh, maybe not. Yes, intel agencies. Uh, so this is actually from the so this is the select subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic, which is a select sub- subcommittee that was, you know, set up to of the U.S. Congress. It was set up to investigate COVID, all things COVID. This is their Twitter account. And they're saying new testimony from a highly credible whistleblower alleges that the CIA rewarded six analysts with significant financial incentives to change their COVID-19 origins conclusion from a lab leak to zoonosis. Just click on the first left one there. Um, Maybe we need to zoom in a bit or not. Anyway, um, so the meat of it is that a multi-decade senior level current agency officer has come forward to provide information to the committees regarding the agency's analysis into the origins of COVID-19. According to this whistleblower, the agency assigned seven officers to a COVID discovery team. The team consisted of multidisciplinary and experienced officers 
with significant scientific expertise. According to the whistleblower, at the end of its review, six of the seven members of the team believed the intelligence and science were sufficient to make a low-confidence assessment that COVID-19 originated from a lab in Wuhan, China, which is already a hangout, but whatever. The seventh member of the team, who also happened to be the most senior, was the lone officer to believe COVID-19 originated through, originated through zoonosis. The whistleblower further contends that to come to the eventual public determination of uncertainty, the other six members were given a significant monetary incentive to change their position. So old school, here's some money, shut up about something really important here in terms of COVID and the way COVID was presented and how it upended the entire world, at least the Western world, and affected so many people's lives. This is a key, key point, whether or not it came from a lab or did not. Of course, it, we had it, it, it was conspiracy theory territory to suggest it came from a lab, um, because if it came from a lab, then there would be a serious pressure on to find out, you know, to share the information of of. of of, of the nature of this particular virus and very quickly come to a determination whether or not it was deadly, whether or not there should have been lockdowns, whether or not people should have been harassed and banned and fired from their jobs, and, f- and then and whether or not people should have been forced to get an experimental vaccine. All of that would have been in question if it, came, if it was known to have come from a lab. So they had to shut down the lab leak theory. And yet the CIA, this is the testimony from a multi-decade senior level current CIA officer testimony to Congress from by him saying that the initial that this team was put up put put together on the CIA of you know uh, CIA um, operatives with relevant scientific expertise to look at this question of whether or not it was most likely to be, have come from a lab or most likely to be of natural origin and six of seven six out of seven of them said yeah most likely we're going to come down on the probably lab. And yet... Because they were bribed. One guy who was following the advice, obviously, of some higher-ups said, no, this is natural origin. And then somebody, which is interesting, where did the money come from? Hmm. Who paid the money? <clears throat> that, it, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the, 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 the one senior guy. He didn't take money out of his paycheck to pay off his six colleagues. fellow colleagues. Uh, obviously, money came from somewhere, hush money, to get these guys, which they did, which is obviously not very honourable, uh, to then change their opinion to say, and the, the, but at least they were weren't willing to turn to 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 say to go full fully flip to no, this was zoonotic. Zo- zo- they all agreed on it being don't know, uncertain, but right. still a lie based on their assessment. Uh, that it was most likely to be a lab leak. And of course it was a lab leak. It was created in a lab. It was released from a lab. It probably wasn't Wuhan. You bring it up to the geopolitical level and it's most likely it was created in a lab in the US and dumped on China in October, September, October uh, 2019. And from there it spread and the lid was put on all knowledge about it being uh, the origin of it. And governments all ran with this idea that it was this deadly virus that had jumped from a bat to a pangolin to a pygmy shrew and then back to a butterfly and up people's noses and that every your granny was going to die if you went near her and you need lockdown and if you don't get a vaccine, you're going to get fired from your job. And now your kid has autism because of these six bribes because they <laughs> didn't develop correctly. 
Maybe, yeah. yeah. So, Seriously, the whole entire science, at least at that juncture in the process, the entire science hinged on six bribes. Yeah. This is actually an example of the CIA doing what it was created to do. Mm-hmm. Intelligence gathering, cre- making a report, sending it up, and on the basis of balance of probabilities, recommending one decision over the other. And then money comes in from somewhere else. Not CIA per se, right? Mm-hmm. It's extra-governmental. This is why people have the term deep state, because mm-hmm. it's power politics. It's mm-hmm. not from an official institution. Black budget. Black budgets. Um, somebody, and it would have been, uh, and it couldn't just have been anybody. It would have been somebody who carried the stature with the implied threat behind him that there would be there would be more than just if they did not accept said bribes, there'd be more than just well, the, off you go. Then there will be other threats. The, the comment from this from this one guy who who was you know, knew which way the wind was blown, the one of the seven who said no, it was natural in origin. Despite the evidence that it wasn't, okay, he, he he would have basically said, "Listen," or someone might have higher up might have come in and said, "Listen, that's the the whole lab leak theory is not something we're going to go with. So you need to rethink what your eyes are telling you here because we don't want to go with that. It, it's not good. Um, and here's you know, there's a bonus in it for you if you you know you get a bonus for good work for you know lying." You get a bonus for lying. We're going to give you a bonus for lying on this one. Well, okay. I can do a bit of lying for a bonus, yeah. The first person I'd hold up for questioning would be, if not Fauci himself, then uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. Uh, if you read the book by Bobby Jr. on COVID-19, um, there are lots of vignettes of evidence of how this kind of works and has worked over the decades, not just with COVID-19, but the key structural unspoken structural point to this until now anyway is that the vast funding for scientific research at least at the official level the public level who controls the purse as to where grants do or don't go for research is Fauci but his main backer again at an official level because this isn't the end of the story but his main backer officially is Gates and what they do together right. is they're like a tandem. I have a solution to that I put the two, I put Bill Gates and Fauci <coughs> in the Coliseum, right? <coughs> Give them spears, or whatever, and then say, <coughs> The one who walks out alive is guilty. <laughs> <coughs> it's not the end of the story because, uh, as explained That's, by Bobby Jr., since the late 1980s, 70 or 80 percent of Fauci's salary is paid yeah yeah by the pentagon yeah you said pentagon slash pentagon Uh, where in the pentagon well actually just to bring it full circle he he was actually speaking to um, Russell Brand on this and it's it's, you know six or seven minutes but it's actually worth because it basically spells out what we're saying if you just have a listen here um, I think it's worth listening to this is um, a few months ago Bobby Kennedy Jr. talking to Russell Brand that we started the show with and I, you know, I had to kind of put together this history, which was fascinating because, you know, why was the CIA so involved with gain of function and so obsessed with it? And I went back and, and kind of traced this history, which is the CIA was created in 1947. And the first task that it was given was Operation Paperclip. 
which had already been ongoing. The Joint Chiefs were already bringing it over, but that was bringing over all the Nazi weapon scientists, many of them who were destined for the gallows in Nuremberg. And they and the CIA created these rat lines to smuggle them out from under the nose of Nuremberg prosecutors and bring them over to Fort Detrick and to other these, you know, weapons labs. A lot of them were nuke scientists, but a lot of them were bioweapon scientists because Hitler and uh, Goebbels had, or, uh, Goering had a, uh, a huge bioweapons program, and they'd done a lot of work on it. And they had a lot of cutting-edge stuff. At the same time, the biggest bioweapons program was in Japan, and it was uh, managed by a scientist called Shiro Ishii, who was just this diabolical Mengele-like scientist who was doing human experiments that were, you know, as bad as anything that the Nazis did. But he then was... Uh, brought into the, under the U.S. wing and protected from the Russians who wanted to hang him, and they brought all those scientists over. That you know, that not, it was it was called Japanese paperclip. So in that program, they brought all the Japanese scientists, and those scientists who, who initiated the U.S. bioweapons program at its birth um, not only imprinted it with a lot of their you know cell cultures, et cetera, but also with a lot of their, um, I would say ethical elasticity or ethical lacunae. So uh, there, and that continues to, you know, to sort of infect the entire bioweapons program. Now, we put huge amounts of money into bioweapons. In 1969, we had nuclear equivalents. They were bragging that they could kill everybody, um, basically everybody in the world for 29 cents a, a person, 29 cents a death. This is what they were. This is what they were going for. That's success. They do the opposite of science. They were, you know, scientists are the opposite of medicine. Medicine tries to save people's lives from all of these, you know, microbes, et cetera. And they were trying to enhance the microbes to make them antibiotic resistance, to make them spread faster, to make them deadlier, et cetera. 1969, Nixon goes in there and shuts down the whole program, and everybody's shocked. And those guys were very angry. Now, here's what happens. And they live, they're living in the basements of the Pentagon, and they're trying to bring this back. The CIA is secretly doing bioweapons. They, they, they leave Fort Detrick with all their cultures illegally, and they store them in these warehouses in New York. And, they, and they're trying constantly through the neocons who become their allies to, to uh, revive the bioweapons program. Then 9-11 happens. And 9-11, the, they, the neocons bring off of the shelf the Patriot Act, which basically is the beginning of the surveillance state in our country. And nobody reads it. The only congressman to read it was my campaign manager, Dennis Kucinich. I remember and that. He was in Congress at that, that time, and he told me not one copy was available to any congressman. The 350 Act that suddenly appeared the day after 9-11. And that dismantles basically the United States Constitution. Um, interestingly, that act, which nobody read, had a provision in it that revokes effectively the Geneva Convention and the Nixon's bioweapons charter. So all of the, you know, the, so it basically relaunched the bioweapons uh, arms race. Um, there were two guys who were blocking it, Patrick Leahy and Tom Daschle. A week later, they're stopping it. They're not going to let it pass. A week later, they get envelopes filled with anthrax in their offices. 
Congress is shut down. They're shut up. And while Congress is shut down, the Patriot Act gets passed. And the Patriot Act relaunched the arms race. So the military begins. And by the way, that anthrax, which was also used as the excuse for going into Iraq and invading Iraq because Saddam Hussein did it, you know, we were told. It turns out after a two-year investigation, the FBI came back and said that anthrax was Ames anthrax, highly sophisticated. There's only one place in the world it could have come from, Fort Detrick, which is the CIA Pentagon lab. So at that point, the Pentagon began begins pumping a lot of money into bioweapons, about $2 billion a year. But they don't want to do it because they don't know if the Patriot Act is actually, you know, legal. Because the Patriot Act, what it says is, we're not revoking the Geneva Convention. We're not invoking the Bioweapons Charter. And we're making a law that any federal official that violates those two bills cannot be prosecuted. So the bill, so the treaties are still in place, but, you know, they mm. give an exemption to all Zero federal laws. officials. The Pentagon's not sure that that's legal. And by the way, if you violate those provisions of Geneva, it's a death penalty. You get hanged. So they were worried about doing it. So they... Instead of putting it in-house at the Pentagon, they put it all in NIH in Tony Fauci's shop. They give him a 68% raise, which is why he became the highest paid federal official in history. He was making more, $450,000 a year. The president only makes $400,000. But it's because of that military uh, uh, salary he got, the 68% raise in the military. So he had to do bioweapons development. That's why he was going to gain a function. And then in 2014... Three of the bugs escaped from labs in the United States, and everybody finds out about it. Congress has hearings. Uh, 300 scientists write letters to Obama, saying, sign a letter to Obama saying, you got to shut down Tony Fauci. He's going to create an ap- epidemic. Obama shuts down all of Fau- Fauci's projects, orders them closed, has a moratorium, but Fauci doesn't shut them down. He continues doing them, and then he starts shipping everything over to Wuhan, where he can do it offshore, out of sight of, you know, these federal overseers and all the, the nosy scientists like Richard Ebright and the others from the Cambridge Working Group who were horrified by what he was doing. And that's kind of why the short story of why, you know, we're doing all this stuff in Wuhan rather than doing it at University of North Carolina and Galveston, which is where they were doing it before. <laughs> Bloody hell, Robert. Bloody hell, indeed. So I'm get, what I got out of that was hang Fauci. Fauci, Fauci needs to be hung. Tried According and, tried, to international tried law. Hung under Geneva Convention. YouTube says international law trumps. So, yeah. Him, him and, and those funding him. I would like first, though, to get answers out of him as to... Uh, he should name names. Because if, if he's just put away, there's mm. still this whole network behind yeah, him that he's, he used was, him. He was just a, a bag man. He was just a yeah, the gopher, really. He got well paid, but he was—he didn't really know what was going on. I mean, he, in a certain sense, like that whole Wuhan thing that he was involved in, he got hung out to dry in a certain sense. Yeah. But that's how they do things. Like they, the people behind the scenes who don't show their face and who orchestrate these kind of maneuvers, they have these people in position in public positions who have a lot to lose, and they become their greatest defenders. They become the greatest cover-up architects because they create something. They, they, they like in this case, like Fauci was doing, was engaged in gain-of-function research in Wuhan because he didn't want to do it at home because it wasn't allowed at home. Uh, so he was doing it in, in, in China in a lab that they were basically renting in China. And 
So he's already, he's immediately exposed there because mm-hmm. he's exposed if the people who are really running the show behind the scenes, like the CIA, etc., ever paint drop, a leak on they just Wuhan. drop a leak in Wuhan and it's like fight. She's like, no, 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 there's not lab leak. This he is, will immediately uh, do everything you need to do to cover it up. Yeah, yeah. Like to save his own. Help get briberies to make sure the Senate hears the right things. To save his own skin, yeah. So he, he, he was a patsy in that respect, but, you know, he didn't get completely thrown to the wolves, you know. Yeah. Pretty pathetic, pretty sad, pretty sad. Speaking of Fauci in the gladiator's uniform, mm, it'd be I, funny. I'm not your wife, but can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. How often do you think about Rome? All the time. <laughs> this is a curious trend. Um, got a WAPO report on this, but uh, apparently it's going. It's um, started on TikTok. Um, Wives are asking their husband how often they think about Rome because they've been astonished at the answers quite frequently, it seems. Um, scroll down there a bit. It's been almost 2,000 years since the Roman Empire, probably less than that, but whatever. But many men still think, contemplate it quite a lot. A new social media trend prompting women to ask the men in their lives how often they think about ancient Rome reveals that it crosses the minds of many men on a weekly basis, even daily or more. <laughs> The women are confused, and they ask their guy, their men, "Well, why? What, what's the?" And they're like, "Well, what's not to think about?" Um, the answers are, are totally varied. They, they can be out and about and see a column or a pillar and a piece of architecture, mm-hmm. and it reminds them of Rome. They can be thinking about sewage systems, and it reminds them of Rome. So they're kind of like um, basic, material, mundane, day-to-day reasons for it. I reckon there's a lot more to this, though. I think people are thinking about Rome. Because it's happening again. Because the fall Collect- is happening again. Collective memory, the conditions that preceded Mass the fall. Mass unconsciousness is speaking to itself. The it's con- coming The conditions that preceded ways, the fall of Rome, or you could arguably say caused the fall of Rome, are actually prevailing in, in the Western world today, particularly in America. So, yeah. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. You didn't get nothing more either, do you? No, not really. You don't got no change more. in Ukraine. No. Um, I thought it was curious though that just as Musk was clarifying the question about his Starlink satellite internet service mm. covering Crimea in a, an attempted sneak attack a year ago, yeah. that day when that was kind of in the news, Storm Shadows, Storm Shadows launched, um, hit a couple of a submarine and a ship that were in dry dock in Crimea. Yep, in Sevastopol. These people are like, and you know. The reason it was topical was because Musk was like, well, I don't want to set off World War Three," And then some shitheads back in Jimmy, yeah. the, uh, under yeah. a bunker somewhere in London say, or yeah. Washington said, well, what's this? That's a, that's well, the whole, we we the whole can point. do this and Russia won't, won't, won't retaliate. Yeah. Not directly anyway. Yeah, don't worry about World War Three. Look. Talk about look what we just did. Um, a bear walks into a bar and says, give me a whiskey and a cola. Uh, why the big pause? Asked the bartender. <laughs> why? Versus, don't know, I was born with him. <laughs> uh, a bear? Come on, Joe. Vodka. He wouldn't ask for a whiskey. I don't know. American bear. Russian bear. American, American, American bear. bear. Okay, fair enough. America's got bears too, Neil. Why the big pause? <laughs> well, he did, you know. Anyway, but that's, um, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, so we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching this and hope you enjoyed the show and commenting. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We'll be back next week with another one on, you know, 
you, you know what it'll be on. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to bring a little bit of clarity to anything that's murky. So until then, have a good one and stay safe and, um, I don't know, have fun. Stay free, as stay free. Brand would say. See ya. God bless. See you next week. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.